0: Good morning, our text this morning will be from Luke chapter 17, Luke 17. One of the problems that we often face in my household uh, is that my children are ungrateful little heathens. Okay? It gets worse, you know, you're supposed to tell me it gets better, it's going to be fine, they'll outgrow it. Lie to me. I don't care. That's fine. No, regularly what happens is Rachel and I will take them somewhere fun. We'll take them to the park or the mall or a playground somewhere. We'll have a wonderful time playing. Everything's going great. And then when we tell them, okay, boys, it's time for us to go home, they grumble and they complain. Okay? Luke has even gotten the habit of when we're ready to take him somewhere, he says, I didn't have any fun at all. Yeah. And I found myself making many threats uh, to my children, telling them, well, if that's the kind of attitude that you're going to have, then next time we'll just sit at home and stare at each other. But then just a few weeks ago, I took my children, they had a trunk or treat thing at the local high school. Um, and all the high school kids had all their trunks decorated, and all the high school kids were dressed up. And, and we took him to that, and we had so much fun going around. They were getting all their candy, and uh, Luke was flirting with all the high school girls, which I don't know where he gets that from, but he had so much fun. Uh, we had a great time, and at the very end of it, as I said, okay, guys, it's time to go home. And as we were walking back to the car, my son, okay, this is one of the stories where it's my son, right? The other stories I tell, it's Rachel's son. This one, it's my son, okay, Luke looks up at me, and he says, Dad, thank you so much for taking us here. I know. It warmed my heart and my soul, and it restored some of my faith in my little heathens. All right, as a parent, I don't expect my kids to bring me lavish gifts. Right? I don't want them to give me as much as I give to them. I don't even expect them to understand just how much I do for them, things that they will never know, but what I do want as a parent is I want them to occasionally show a little gratitude, acknowledge that Rachel and I have sacrificed a lot for them to have the lives that they have. You see where I'm going with this, right? Okay, we will never be able to give God anything approaching to what he has given to us, right? I mean, think about it. He gave himself to us in his son, Jesus. We're never going to be able to repay God for all of the things he's given us, but that's not what he wants. Okay, but what God does want from us is thanksgiving. He wants our acknowledgement that every good gift that we have is from him and that we would be lost without him. Okay, if we would presume to call God our father, if we would presume to be his children in his kingdom, then we must learn how to express thanksgiving. Okay, so if you notice our text this morning, this is Luke 17, uh, starting in verse 11, we have a good story of a man who was thankful and nine heathens. All right, 1711. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. All right, we know uh, from numerous passages in the Old Testament, we also know just from history, uh, that you do not want to get leprosy. It's a bad thing. Uh, Do not ever do a Google image search for leprosy. Uh, You will regret it. All right? Uh, Not only could leprosy kill you, Uh, But part of the problem with this disease is that it's highly contagious. Nobody wants to be around you. Not only is it contagious and it's possible for someone else to contract leprosy from you, but it also makes you ceremonially unclean. If you are a Jew and you touch someone with leprosy, you can't go do all the normal things that you want to do because you have been made unclean. So, lepers in Jesus' day had to stay away from any towns or villages, as is prescribed in the Law of Moses. They had to live outside the camp— So that other people wouldn't catch it from them and so that they could keep their uncleanness away from everybody else. So usually what these leper colonies would do is they would congregate near major roadways because just about the only way they can support themselves is if people traveling by will have mercy on them and will leave food for them or give them some alms for the poor and, and would help support them that way. Okay, so if you were a traveler in Jesus' day, if you ever went anywhere, chances are really good that you would have seen lepers from a distance calling to you, asking for just a little bit of mercy. Okay, so you notice in our story in Luke, you have several lepers together, they're near a road, and they don't approach Jesus because they can't, they're unclean. They call at him from a distance and say, Master, have pity on us. Okay, fortunately for this group, they get more than what they were asking for. Okay, they get the healing that only God can provide. All right, So here's my first point this morning, if you're taking notes. That is number one is be thankful that Jesus loved us even when we were untouchable. Okay, be thankful that Jesus loved us even when we were untouchable. And this is a theme we will see throughout the Gospel of Luke. Jesus doesn't come just to help people who had their act together. He doesn't come to the rich and powerful. He doesn't come to love the people who always thought that they were loved by God. He comes in a manger. Right? Luke is the Gospel for the humble. The first people that come to worship Jesus are lowly shepherds on the bottom rungs of society. The main character in the first several chapters of the Gospel of Luke is a teenage girl named Mary. Okay, and all of this is really good news for us. Okay, because I don't care how holy you think you are or how together you have everything in your life. Because there's still a whole lot of me and a whole lot of you that is unlovable and untouchable. Okay, thanks be to God that he loves me in spite of how often and how far away I have been from God. Now, another interesting piece of this story and it fits really well with the overall theology of Luke, uh, is how many men does Jesus heal in this encounter? Ten. Okay, how many come back to give thanks? One. And is it, is it a nice, faithful, part of the covenant Jew who comes back to give thanks? No. Who is it? A Samaritan. Okay, you would expect that the men most in tune with giving God the praise and glory would be the Jews who were raised on giving God praise and glory. Okay, but the story surprises us, and very intentionally Luke highlights it was a Samaritan who gets it right. Okay, and this will bring up the first of what I'm going to call several roadblocks to Thanksgiving uh, that we need to deal with if we're going to be a thankful people. Okay, so here's my number two, and that is beware the roadblocks to Thanksgiving. Okay, beware of what roadblocks exist that keep us from being thankful. Uh, the first one of this uh, letter A is. Taking God for granted. Taking God for granted is a roadblock to thanksgiving. You see this throughout the Gospels, uh, really all throughout Scripture. But it's that the people that come to the party the latest, the ones who come to know God's love after not having had it for a long portion of their lives, they are the ones who appreciate it more than the people who were there all along. Okay, like many of you, I was raised in a pew. Okay, If you have been in church your whole life, raise your hand. How many of you were raised in a pew? Okay, uh, That's most of us, although there's a pretty significant amount of people here who were not raised in a pew. Okay, But I think I could count on one hand the number of Sundays that I have not been in church. I have always had God in my life, and for those of us in that boat, we have to be careful because familiarity breeds contempt. Okay, if we've always had God's blessings, it can blind us to them. Okay, we're like some of those kids who get free rides to Ivy League schools but then complain about how difficult life is, right? Right, thank you. You know, I've said it several times before, but I almost wish that I had a Paul-like conversion experience, right? I almost wish that I knew what it was like to live my life apart from God, because I think if I did, then I would appreciate so much more what I have living my life in the kingdom of God and knowing God's love for me. Okay, we just need to be careful that we don't take God for granted. All right, uh, letter B. Another roadblock to thanksgiving is focusing on what's wrong. I want you to imagine for just a moment, uh, if the Samaritan came back to Jesus and said, you know, Lord, I really do appreciate that you've healed my leprosy. I mean, that's great. I was really sick and now I'm well. I'm really thankful uh, that you have done that for me. Uh, But, you know, I still don't have a very good job. So can you do something about that? Okay, That's not a good look. Right, but what do my prayers to God regularly look like? Okay, It's, okay, God, thanks for taking care of all of my needs. Thank you for giving me my beautiful family, for great relationships, and thank you for the salvation and the gift of your son and all that. Okay, But now that I've said my thanksgiving, here, God, is a list of all the things I really wish that you would attend to. And please, if you could do it as quickly as possible, that would be great, because I've got things to do. Now, I would never say my prayer like that, but how often is that really what I'm praying? Uh, it's kind of like at night when I tuck Sam into bed at the end of the night and I have to turn on his two night lights that he has to have. I put him in his soft bed with the jammies that he has picked out and his soft pillow, his nice sheets and his comforter and his temperature controlled room. And after his mother has read him a story and I've said his prayers, I will bring him a glass of water. And what does he do? But he complains that I didn't put enough ice in his water. And I can't tell you how close I've come to just taking that cup of water and just pouring it all over his little head, right? What prevents me from doing that is that then I would have to change all the sheets in the bed and put him back in bed again. And yet one of the things that keeps me from being as grateful to God as I should be is that I focus on the few things that are wrong in life rather than letting myself focus on all the good and wonderful things and being thankful for that. Don't just focus on what's wrong. All right, letter C. And this is where I think most of us live way too often, and that is that we are being too busy for Thanksgiving. A roadblock to Thanksgiving is just being too busy to take the time to be thankful. I have to admit that as I'm reading Luke 17, I feel somewhat sympathetic to the nine guys in the story who don't come back to thank Jesus, because they really do have a lot on their plates. Okay, the story specifically says Jesus doesn't just heal them on the spot. I think if Jesus had just immediately healed them, they would have said, oh, I'm leprosy free. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. But that's not how the story reads. Instead, Jesus tells them to go, and it's after they've already left Jesus that they get healed. Okay, undoubtedly, they would have said thank you in the moment, but now they're already away from Jesus, and they immediately have all these other things that they need to do. They need to go see the priest. They need to go be reunited with their families. They need to start thinking about what their jobs are going to look like. They have to go and find their old lives and get back to them. There's a lot of stuff that these guys have to do. Okay, any of you ever been away from your family for an extended period of time? You know, just over the last couple of years while I was doing some school, I would go to Texas for a week at a time to go do class. Okay, by the end of a week, all I'm thinking about is being back home with my family. Okay, imagine what these guys who had leprosy had been through prior to Jesus healing them. Okay, it's been weeks, months, maybe years that they've had to live apart from society. Suddenly they are healed. They have an opportunity to go back to their old lives, to find their families, their wives, their children. Okay, and instead of thinking about Jesus, they're thinking about all the other things, all the good things that they need to be doing. I am quite sure they didn't mean to be ungrateful. They just had stuff to do. Okay, Life happens. Now, I think this is an especially strong temptation for us because I think maybe the biggest sin of the modern world is that we value our lives based on how many things we're involved in, how full we can cram our schedules, and how much stuff we can get done. Okay? We value doing over being, and the Bible constantly puts that in reverse order, and it values being over doing. Okay, We've lost any idea of a theology of Sabbath? And not only is it killing us, but it also puts us in a position of being so focused on moving forward, we never have time to be thankful for what got us here. I think there is a direct correlation between slowing down and spending time with God and thanksgiving. Don't be too busy for thanksgiving. All right. Number D. Letter D. Number, letter, whatever. Whatever's next. D, that is giving in to whatever other roadblocks might exist, okay? Because there's a lot more that we could say this morning. We've talked about three roadblocks, but I think there's a lot, uh, many more things that prevent us from living a proper life of thanksgiving, okay? Maybe you're holding a grudge against God. Maybe you're holding a grudge against someone else, and you can't be thankful because that's getting in your way, okay? You need some reconciliation somewhere. Right, maybe you've been praying for a long time for something very specific and God hasn't answered your prayer. So you've got some unresolved thing hanging over your life and that's preventing you from thanksgiving. Okay, or maybe like me, you're a worrier. Okay, I know a lot of you uh, are just like me and you worry about stuff. Okay, and you're so busy thinking of all the things that might go wrong that you don't have time to thank God for all the things that have gone right. Okay, maybe our pride and ego has gotten in the way. Right? Maybe we look at all the blessings in our lives and we think, you know what? I deserve this. Okay, or I'm comparing myself to someone else who I think that they're more blessed than I am. And I think, well, God, why can't you give me what they have? Okay, maybe you feel like you've given a lot and you've sacrificed a lot for others. And since you haven't received the appropriate amount of recognition or thanks, you have a hard time thanking others, especially thanking God. And I'm sure there's other things we could add to that list, right? Things that I'm not thinking of, maybe things we're not even aware of that prevent us from being as thankful as we should be. I think we need to be intentional about our thanksgiving. I think we need to set aside time and our quiet time and our prayers to intentionally stop and count our blessings and thank God for all the things that he has done. And we better do that more than one day a year. All right. One more interesting piece from our text, and then we'll be done. All right, I want you to notice again the line with which the story begins. This is in verse 11 at the very beginning of it. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem. And then we get this story of ten lepers who see Jesus in this ungrateful encounter. Okay? And you see this phrase several times in the Gospel of Luke. As he's going through his ministry, it's now on his way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. On his way to Jerusalem, on his way to Jerusalem. The movement in Luke is towards Jerusalem. Why? Why is Jesus going to Jerusalem? He's going to Jerusalem because he knows exactly what's coming. He's going to Jerusalem to die. All right, here's my final point. And this is my most important. And that is, we need to be thankful that Jesus died for you. Be thankful that Jesus died for you. Uh, During one of Luke's several heart surgeries, uh, they took some human tissue uh, and used it to open up one of his arteries. Okay, one of the major arteries in his chest was too small. um, And so during the surgery, they used human tissue donated from somebody else and used it to make that artery bigger. And we didn't know they were going to do that until after they had already done it. Um, And afterwards, we're in recovery with Luke. And they gave Rachel and I a card and said, you can fill out this card, and that card goes to the family that lost a loved one, that that tissue came from their loved one, so that your child could have it and have a better shot at life. So with this card, you can say thank you to that family. How do you write that card? What do you say? Thanks, I appreciate it. We were so grateful to that family for what they gave in giving life to my son. And then I think about what God has given us. He gave his own son so that you and I could have life. How do we even begin to say thank you for that? How do we even begin to express our gratitude to our loving creator who loved us, especially when we were so unlovable, when we were untouchable, when we didn't even want to know God, and yet he gave his son so that you and I can have life. If we truly believe this gospel of Jesus, we should be the most grateful people that have ever lived. There should be nothing that can stop the joy that you and I have in our lives because of what our God has done for us. If you can only be thankful for one thing today, be thankful that God gave us his son in Jesus. All right, at this time in our service, we're going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. Uh, During the singing of this song, I will be down front, one of our shepherds will be down front. We would love to talk with you or pray with you about anything that's going on in your life, uh, if, especially if you don't know what it means to be loved by God, you don't know that love of Jesus. We would love to sit down with you, show you in Scripture what that looks like, what that means to you. Um, before we sing that song, though, I'd like to close this with a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Let's stand and sing.